Hello and welcome back to the Stat Dose podcast. We're here doing another turbo dose today, focusing on abdominal aortic aneurysms or triple A's. We're going to cover a brief overview, we're going to look at uh, presentation, investigations, and management. So, triple A's are a smaller form of battery, usually found in uh, many household items, uh, your TV remote. <laughs> Tell us about an overview of my dad jokes. <laughs> I like your dad jokes, they're good. So, an abdominal aortic aneurysm is, well, an aneurysm in general is, is a sort of a permanent um, you know, dilation, essentially, of a, of a blood vessel, uh, more than 50% of the original diameter. And a normal abdominal aorta, he says, checking his notes, is approximately two centimetres. Mm. So, therefore, anything over the three centimetres is technically an aneurysm. How dare you not know that's the top of your head? Well, I'm not a vascular surgeon. But you are a podcaster, oh. which is arguably better than a vascular surgeon. <laughs> Sorry to all of our vascular surgery listeners, yeah. which there are none. <laughs> so in terms of location, most... Triple A's are infrarenal, so below the level of the renal arteries. They can be suprarenal, in which case there's a concern for thromboembolic disease because there's a bit of uh, blood stasis that occurs in the in the in the dilation, so that can cause distal ischemia. Um, and of course, uh, aortic aneurysms can be thoracic as well, but we won't cover those uh, in this podcast. The concern, essentially, as most of our students and humans, I think, are aware, the the larger the aneurysm, the higher the risk of rupture. Can I just double check that we're differentiating students from humans? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you made it seem like. What are the risk factors for developing AAA? Uh, well, they are the same risk factors for developing anything bad, essentially. <laughs> so, family history of, of AAA, smoking, increasing age, high blood pressure is one of the very common uh, risk factors. Uh, connective tissue disorders like Marfan's, for example, although more commonly associated with thoracic uh, dissections, can also give you that um, AAA, um, essentially same pipe, but in a different location. And atherosclerosis. So uh, a lot of these bunch these together and find that they're actually uh, significant risk factors for stroke, um, hypertension, cancer, uh, MI, uh, a lot of other thromboembolic disease it's always good to screen for these and consider your patients and who is at risk and who isn't. But of course, um, at the same time, this this can, this disease can affect anyone. How does this present, um, and, and what do you look for uh, from your sort of emergency uh, department perspective? If you go from sort of bad to less bad in that order, good so words. If, good words. Thank you. So, so if the aneurysm is completely ruptured, they won't survive to hospital. They probably won't survive to call nine nine nine. To be honest, these, these patients are going to bleed out and die very quickly. It's not uncommon to see leaking AAAs. This is patients who often have back pain. They're often cardiovascularly unstable. They're hypotensive. They're shocked. They may present with syncope. So back pain and collapse is a, a big red flag. But the majority have unruptured or asymptomatic aneurysms that just are incidental findings on a routine examination or incidental findings on on sort of on imaging for for other causes um, you can get some sort of vague back pain some vague abdominal pain you might feel a positive mass on on examination but lots of patients who have the small aneurysms the sort of three to four centimeters don't tend to to have too many clinical features to to complain about um, there is a, a risk of, of thromboembolic disease, as I mentioned earlier. So patients can actually present with an ischemic limb as you throw off a clot. Rarely they can present with acute kidney injuries or renal failure uh, if you have a suprarenal 
or a thoracic aneurysm, you throw off a clot to obstruct one of your renal arteries, you can infarct your, your kidney. Looking at the management, we're going to be talking predominantly about leaking AAA. So those patients that you're going to see who are kind of acutely unwell, really we're going to be following that ABCDE approach. Clearly getting good venous access so that we can give blood products is really beneficial. We allow permissive hypotension in these individuals so that we don't, and, and getting an urgent CT and an urgent uh, vascular surgery opinion is key here and is minute on minute going to be affecting this individual in terms of their uh, morbidity and mortality. So it's, it's, a, it's got to be a really rapid primary survey management and escalation process. Hmm. Yeah, these aren't patients to, to sit on, for lack of a better word. No, and sitting on a AAA I've heard doesn't help regardless. It's, uh, it's not something you can temporise with pressure. So. <laughs> so in terms of surgical repair, there's two main options. There's the open repair, where you do a big laparotomy, um, or there's the, the endovascular repair, or an E-virus, it's otherwise known. So the open lap- laparotomies tend to get better outcomes in men under the age of 70. I have no idea why. And EVARS uh, involves, which is essentially sort of a stent and a graft insertion. You, you divert flow through the graft away from the, the aneurysm, or sort of over the aneurysm, essentially, um, and allows the aneurysm to, to clot off. EVARS tend to favour men over the age of 70. Women, comorbid patients, or those with abdominal sort of copathologies like stomas or adhesions. Again, I have no idea why. If the aneurysm is ruptured or if it's leaking, there's around an 80% mortality. And even with the surgical repair of a leaking AAA, the mortality is still around 50%. So as Joe mentioned at the start, these are comorbid patients a lot of the time. And actually, you have to balance the risk of are they going to die on the operating table or are they going to die on a surgical ward in a semi-palliative type state. So there's lots of outpatient-based work that gets done with AAAs, and I think it's just worth kind of tacking on and noting at the end, if, if it's an asymptomatic, non-leaking AAA, then these are the indi- sorts of individuals that get referred for um, ultrasound and continuous monitoring and in primary care um, consideration for sort of reduction in blood pressure and actually really just management of those uh, comorbidities which can prolong the course of the illness and, and hopefully reduce poor outcomes from having an actual leaking or, or ruptured AAA. So that's in terms of AAA. Key things to recognise are risk factors and just to have it in your head as a differential. If it's not in your head as a differential, then it won't be there as a preferred diagnosis at the end. They can present as ruptured, which you will very rarely see because these individuals will be um, RIP prior to actually attending an emergency department or even the emergency services, um, leaking or, or, or asymptomatic. Management is as with many hemorrhages really, so it's to um, replace what is being lost, ABCDE, oxygen, fluids, which are predominantly blood products and permissive hypertension, followed by very, very rapid escalation.